Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? G'day my friends, Eddie here with episode 265 for the week of Wednesday the 22nd of March. Uh, It's been a little bit of time since we brought you a bit of toy discussion going on. We've had a uh, lot of reviews uh, hitting in the recent episodes, but uh, one of the things I do love doing is talking about toys and toy history. Uh, This episode's uh, definitely going to be looking into that, but I'm also going to be touching on a subject uh, that we tend to talk a lot about, which is uh, Marvel Legends, arguably uh, my favourite toy line of all time. Uh, It would be debatable depending on the day, but it's probably the one that's been with me the longest. And while we have talked a lot of Hasbro Marvel Legends on this show, just because of the nature of when the show started. We didn't really get to talk a lot about the Toy Biz era, uh, which really was a big turning point uh, for action figures, and uh, it's a very important part of my toy collecting history. So uh, I definitely want to drop in and have a look at that. Uh, (laughs) I was a little reluctant to do this because I do know that we hit... Uh, Marvel Legends a lot with the current uh, toys that we talk about, Uh, but I have sort of been rediscovering my love of uh, Toy Biz Marvel Legends of recent and uh, couldn't resist doing this. Uh, Just a bit of a heads up, it is uh, quite late at night while I'm recording this. I have a small uh, window of time in which I am able to do it this week, Uh, so I'm not going to be talking about everything, but I'm going to try and cover uh, the large base as it comes here to Toy Biz Marvel Legends. Uh, So Toy Biz, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the company, it was a very big uh, toy company in the 90s, particularly in comic book stores, because they had the Marvel license when Marvel was blowing up. It would have been impossible for you to go into a comic book store and not see either the X-Men or Spider-Man figures from the Toy Biz 5-inch line there on the shelves. Uh, But they didn't really have a just straight-up Marvel line. There were a couple of little ones here, like uh, Marvel Gold, Marvel's Most Wanted, bits and pieces there. But it was mainly focused around Spider-Man and the X-Men. And every now and then you'd get a sort of little side Marvel character line thrown in there. Uh, Or you would get... Uh, the characters put into, uh, like there was a Captain America in the Spider-Man way line of Electroshock, as I looked for for years, but I don't even know if it ever came out here uh, in Australia, but I know I searched many a toy store looking for it. 
which is kind of weird when you think about where Marvel is today and that, you know, Avengers are the main focus and people complain about not getting enough X-Men. Back then, there was a lot of X-Men. You could get obscure characters like Ahab and Slayback. But apart from the very initial uh, early run of figures, uh, there weren't too many based on the larger Marvel Universe. And that's where we start to get to Marvel Legends. Now, a lot of people talk about the precursor to Marvel Legends being the Spider-Man classic line. They definitely took the sort of clamshell and inclusion of a comic book uh, from there, as well as being six-inch highly articulated figures coming on dioramas. But that's where I've been thinking about this. Uh, I might actually give it to the first X-Men movie line for being that kind of birth of the Legends era. Maybe a bit of that weird precursor. It's not quite all there. There wasn't as much articulation, even though it was actually a big increase on articulation on a lot of those figures. It wasn't quite what Marvel Legends uh, came to be known for with their articulation. So... Uh, Even if you're, like, comparing where the birth of the superhero movies come from, a lot of people say the first X-Men movie. Some argue, oh, you kind of have to give it to Blade there. The first X-Men toy line uh, probably falls into that Blade category for Marvel Legends. But uh, the popular expression is that original Spider-Man classics uh, wave, which I was definitely into. I picked up that uh, first Spider-Man there, the weird sort of suit coming off him, Venom that uh, was more of a weird statue piece uh, than an actual articulated toy. The the articulated design seemed to be sticking around more with Spider-Man there. But uh, we got a little bit of a hint where in the second wave of that they included Daredevil. Uh, so it showed that they were tiptoeing around the larger Marvel Universe. But uh, coming through in uh, early 2002... Uh, I remember seeing the news on the front of Toy Fair magazine, for those of you old enough to remember when we used to get our news in print for toys, and that was expensive here in Australia to buy Toy Fair magazine, so there's a lot of times I remembered uh, finding out things just by what was on the cover, uh, but having no idea uh, any info on them because I couldn't afford to buy it, and it was one of those magazines wrapped in plastic, and I was a teenage kid, so if I was buying a magazine wrapped in plastic, it probably wasn't going to be Toy Fair. But I do remember the cover with a Cap, Hulk, and Iron Man. I can't remember if uh, Toad was on it or not. I don't think he was. Uh, But it was definitely uh, Captain America that stood out for me because I was a big uh, Captain America comic book reading fan. This was just around the time Dan Jurgens was wrapping up his run, and I wanted a Captain America figure so badly, but really struggled to find one. Uh, So this was actually the first Captain America figure uh, that I purchased. And I remember them, they turned up in a Target and I grabbed both Captain America and Iron Man. Iron Man had his little uh, mask that flipped up, but uh, I've been reluctant to mention the actual wave. So the first wave of Marvel Legends figures we got was Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man, and strangely Toad. So Toad is the sidekick of Magneto from the X-Men universe. Now, I would have to imagine that Toad was sculpted for something else, whether they were toying around with a X-Men 
classics, which they would uh, eventually later do. He didn't have the articulation of the other guys here, so he sort of feels like he might have been something from another line they were trying out. Now, Toad might seem like a little bit of an obscure character uh, choice, but uh, do remember this was in a time where Toad probably had more of a spotlight than ever before uh, coming off that first X-Men movie. I know he started to be featured in the comic books uh, a lot more around this time. Now, these guys came in that pain-in-the-ass clamshell packaging uh, that I'm sure many of us cut fingers on trying to open up. Uh, Had that little back sleeve with all the different hero icons down the side. Had sort of stat levels and uh, all that sort of fun that used to get in action figure boxes, as well as either a comic book or poster box book uh, there included so they, they were a great little package uh, for the ones you got now there were some uh, little changes and pieces here in the first wave the first uh, Hulk figure had bendable uh, fingers and then was later released with sort of just uh, straight uh, plastic uh, finger hands there, but it was a very great kickoff. I mean, a lot of people still to this day regard that first wave Captain America as being one of the best Captain America figures, uh, if not the Captain America figure released. Uh, a lot of people still have fondness for the Iron Man here. Yeah, the Hulk uh, was a little bit hit and miss. I actually didn't pick him up back in the day. I just didn't really like the head sculpt on him. Uh, too much and they definitely came back and did Hulk a bit more justice there. Toad was actually the rarer uh, one on as time went by. I remember him being a peg warmer back in the day though he was definitely the guy that no one really wanted to pick up. Coming around later in 2002, uh, we got our second wave, which I often refer to as the Fantastic Four wave. You can definitely tell there is a Fantastic Four theme going on here where you've got Doctor Doom, the Human Torch, Namor, and the thing. Now, this is where they started toying around a lot more with variants. I sort of forgot to mention with the Iron Man uh, up here in the first wave, you had uh, the gold variant with his pointy mask on. Uh, but here we started to see the whole wave uh, start to hit a couple of different variants. So you had a variant of Doctor Doom was the Doombot with a whole new head sculpt of the mechanical kind underneath. You had the Human Torch that could get a variant with the four on his chest or four off his chest. And you had the thing that came with a whole sort of trench coat and hat and glasses uh, variant there, which uh, seems to be a common theme with thing figures, uh, which is a great look. Uh, I only had the regular one. I couldn't find the trench coat one uh, back in the days that I was looking through, but I was really excited this uh, line here. I was a big uh, Fantastic Four fan as well. A kid of the 90s, you had that cartoon show, which I love, but Oh, I tried to watch it recently, and it was a little rough. And a lot of my love for this extended Marvel Universe actually came from an era that was unpopular with some, but the Heroes Reborn, I was excited as a little uh, ignorant kid because I was, thought I was picking up the first issues of uh, some of these guys. Uh, but it did definitely inspire me to love and track down much better stories of uh, this wider Marvel Universe. So I do always have a bit of a soft spot for the Fantastic Four, so... Uh, this was the first wave I picked up everything from uh, straight off the bat. And 
Uh, while I was more excited for the Captain America and Iron Man in the last wave, this was definitely one that had me loving uh, the whole line. And one of the few times I remember from this kind of era that I picked up a bunch of figures uh, there at once. And I actually... Uh, the reason why I remember picking up a bunch at once and being so excited was that uh, having Doom and the Doombot... This is going to sound kind of silly, but uh, you'll notice a theme running through here where we actually didn't get too many villains. And the villains that we had sort of got at that point were Spider-Man and X-Men figures. So also having a villain that was from the larger Marvel Universe was a really exciting thing. So I uh, definitely remember I was at a shopping centre known as Chadston when I found Dr. Doom, and I was uh, very excited and very impressed. Again, he had the removable mask, just like Iron Man, which I wasn't expecting when I opened it, so it was a nice surprise there. Uh, They'd sort of gone with, I think it was the John Byrne era, where he only had, like, one scar on his cheek, and I always sort of liked that concept of... Uh, Dr. Doom, that he was so arrogant that it was just one scar uh, that made him don uh, the metal mask rather than the full uh, disfigured uh, face through there. But definitely a great wave. Then towards the tail end of Series 3, we got our... uh, uh, Towards the tail end, sorry, of 2002, uh, we got Series 3. Now, this was one where I thought, oh, here we go. Uh, We started seeing some X-Men popping up in here with uh, Wolverine and Magneto, and that worried me a little bit. I was like, okay, they they toyed with the larger Marvel Universe, but they know where their their butter... uh, It's really stumbling here. Once again, sorry, folks, it's late night. Where their butter... Oh, no, I still haven't got this right. In five, four, three. For me, this was when they were realising where their bread was buttered, and that being with Wolverine. Uh, But we did get some key Marvel touchstones here with Thor and Ghost Rider. Now, I actually made a really sort of stupid and dumb choice uh, back here in the day. So this line, though it was from 2002, uh, it came out in the beginning of 2003 here, and that was right when the Daredevil movie was hitting. And I went into a little comic store uh, back in the day and was like, well, they've done figures for Spider-Man, they've done them for the X-Men movie, so clearly there's going to be like a wave of figures uh, for Daredevil. And I went in, I spoke to the guy, uh, behind the comic books, and I was like, oh, have you got any of the Daredevil uh, movie figures in? And he was like, oh, we've got the Daredevil Marvel Legends one, uh, but we don't have, you know, a, a movie wave one with Kingpin and Bullseye. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll wait till the actual uh, Daredevil line comes out. And I, I passed on this one, and I, I did regret it, because he was a bit more harder to track down uh, later on than... I would have thought, but uh, I did eventually uh, pick him up, not for a couple of years uh, after his initial release, but uh, that was kind of silly on my part. I was just so had it in my head based on nothing at all that there was going to be a line of figures based on the movie, because that's what you did. If it was a movie, you'd release a line of toys based on them. Uh, But this was where uh, they first sort of toyed around with throwing in movie figures uh, into the general line wave as well. Now, he wasn't quite... 
uh, Marvel Legends style. His articulation was quite different, so maybe they were toying around with the Daredevil line, didn't take off, and they just chucked this main one uh, in here. But he's in a bad likeness, and uh, I don't hate him, but uh, it is a bit of a shame when you compare him to the rest of the figures. Uh, what's kind of missing there. Now, Ghost Rider, I think he just works so well for this Marvel Legends line because you could get that full motorcycle with him instead of that uh, display stand and you really felt like you were getting value for money there. Magneto sort of used parts of the Iron Man bucket. I wasn't a big fan of this Magneto, so I actually passed on him. I never did uh, pick him up. Uh, Same with the Thor. There was just something about the Thor that I didn't like, and I wasn't a completist back then. I was still a uh, teenager in high school and needed to uh, balance my money, but I know I stood with him in my hand a couple of times, uh, tempted to grab him, but I really hadn't read much Thor up to that point, so he wasn't a fan favourite of mine. Wolverine, uh, once again, uh, I didn't actually grab, so this was the first line I really didn't pick up uh, too much from. Uh, Wolverine, I had a lot of Wolverine figures by this point, so I was uh, a little bit over the yellow and uh, black tiger stripe look as well, particularly had been running around in the leather suits of the Morrison at this time, and it just felt a bit old school and dated, so I actually passed on him and only picked him up this week, uh, which has got me looking back at uh, a lot of these Toy Biz figures, so he's kind of the inspiration for what I'm talking about here tonight, but this was the first wave, didn't really do much for me, but uh, in retrospect, you, you got some good ones popping in there. Coming around from there, we come into 2003's first wave, which is Series 4, and I'm going to break a lot of people's hearts here with Series 4. I was kind of focusing on some other toy lines Uh, at this point. I didn't really pick up Series 4 as they were coming out. I don't even remember them hitting to begin with, but they did hit in massive bulk here in Australia. I don't know what they were like in the US, but here in Australia, these guys were fairly common, so much so that they even turned up in our supermarkets, which uh, did happen a little bit back then, but wasn't super common. I know Spider-Man Classics did, but this was probably the first and only real time that the Marvel Legends uh, strongly hit our supermarket stores. But... Uh, what ended up happening was these guys sat around for so long that they got uh, clearanced and discounted out of my local coal supermarket. So, and that was at a time where I was coming back around on uh, Marvel Legends. So I was able to pick up Beast, Electra, Gambit and Punisher uh, for $4 each and I was very happy with that purchase and actually very impressed. I think this is uh, the first uh, fairly much uh, home run wave. Uh, Each one of these figures was for the most part a winner. Uh, I think sort of the vast majority of them hold up even to this day. Beast, Gambit and Punisher, to me, are still great figures. Electra, not so much. Uh, They definitely had work to do uh, with the female buck. This was the first female buck that they were sort of doing here in this wave. But uh, I I don't think it is as bad as people pretty much also in retrospect uh, have made it out to be. But uh, I I can see now how it uh, isn't as strong. 
Now, I have left out a figure here from the wave because it was always a bit of an odd one for me. It was around that time, this time, that they started to really push the idea of a chase figure. Now, it's a concept not too often done uh, these days. So, for those unfamiliar with it, a chase figure is where you have a figure that's much rarer uh, than other ones done on purpose. So, whereas today you might think there are ones like that because you'll get, say, two Star Lords and then four of every other figure, this was one where it was like, oh, you know, you might get a case and potentially not even have a Goliath uh, in there. You really did have to uh, hunt and track these guys down. So, Series 4 had its chase figure with Goliath, and Goliath was an odd one for me because he really wasn't a Marvel Legend. He was a repaint of an older 5-inch Toy Biz uh, Avengers box set. Uh, because of the size, they were able to sort of get away with it, but it just doesn't really work for me. And even today I see it in uh, people's collections and I sort of feel like it belongs in that 5-inch one. But uh, there are some of those 5 inch ones that do work quite well for uh, Marvel Legends, so I, I don't begrudge anyone for putting it in the one, and it definitely was a Marvel Legend released on Marvel Legend packaging, but it always just sticks out to me uh, when I say it's probably a better word. Now, the next series, probably on the backs of Series 4, hitting so hard uh, and sticking around, Series 5 was one that was a bit of a bane for collectors here in Australia, because it really did not hit out retail, unless you were going into comic stores. And even then, some comic stores had it a little bit harder to stock some of these lines. Uh, It was near impossible to track down a lot of figures in this wave here in the Great Southern Land. Um, Once again, not too sure what it was like over in the US. I know that there was one that was particularly hard to track down at least. But uh, this was a bit of a bigger wave that sort of broken away from that sort of four or five and gone much larger with the character selection so we had uh, blade colossus mr fantastic nick fury red skull Sabretooth, and silver surfer now i as i mentioned i didn't get a chance to buy these at the time these were figures that i tracked down later of uh blade <laughs> i picked up years later um Around the time All-Star Comics first opened in one of their uh, toy shelves there at the back, uh, Mr. Fantastic, I never picked up. I eventually got him, uh, well, sort of remold of him in another line. Nick Fury uh, was one of the few I was able to track down through a comic book store back in the day. He's a bit of an odd one, Nick Fury, because he is sculpted with an open mouth where a cigar was meant to go, but... Obviously, having kids uh, and smoking uh, was a bit of a no-no, so uh, he's just got an odd expression. But he had a cool display stand where it was his backpack uh, flaming out uh, through, so you could almost an early version of a flight stand there. I really uh, dug that. Now, Red Skull was their chase figure, so he was hard to track down. He was actually a lot of reuse from that Daredevil figure, so uh, if you did manage to find him, I think he was a little bit disappointing uh, for a lot of people, and he's one who was very expensive for a while, but came down a fair bit once we started getting other versions of Red Skull. Sabretooth uh, is a really fine 
figure. He was one uh, that once again I had to track down through someone's used uh, toy cabinet uh, pieces, but uh, did eventually pick him up. Now, I do have a lot of memories for picking up uh, this wave, I guess because I didn't get them brand new and got them through other means. Sabretooth I actually picked up because... Uh, one of my friends uh, who worked in a comic store said that they just had an awesome drop-off of Marvel Legends uh, figures come in. But it was on a day here in Australia known as Black Saturday, uh, which was an extremely hot day and there were bushfires raging across the state. And I was actually uh, living out in the country at the time and I remember hopping on a train to come into the city to dig through this cabinet and get some Marvel Legends that I was missing. And coming in on the train, it was like that sort of heat wave coming off everywhere, not even concrete roads where you're just seeing those fuzzy lines coming through and one of the train stations that the train went through it couldn't actually stop because the train station was on fire i don't know how they were able to still get in it but i remember looking at my window and seeing a fire in the not too different distant side of it uh so i do have a strong memory of picking up uh saber tooth that day uh my other strong memory is with colossus and silver surfer because it was my first trip to new york city i'd popped in to visit uh midtown uh comics and they had uh these guys in there apparently a customer had just returned them uh when i had come in uh to browse around and i asked the guy how much they were and he still had the price tag of it was like seven bucks or whatever on it it was next to nothing uh especially compared to the price that they were going for so it was able to grab them uh particularly silver surfer is of note because he came with his little sidekick well not his sidekick um but uh, what's known as the sidekick figure of Howard the Duck, so at a Howard the Duck action figure, uh, finally. And, of course, Colossus is of note because he's just an excellent sculpt and a really great figure if you've never had a chance to pick him up and uh, check him out. He is fantastic. And then Blade was the one that I'd sort of really wanted to track down, as I mentioned in my Hellboy uh, retrospective. I am a big Guillermo del Toro fan, uh, Blade played a big part in that in sort of introducing me to Guillermo del Toro and I just really wanted to figure not even so much on the Marvel uh, side of things because it's actually even though I know knew the character of Blade from the comics before the movies even came out uh, those Blade films to me just sort of stand so far apart from the Marvel universe it's hard to me to even think of it as such so for me tracking this one down was just tracking down a blade action figure now we are getting into series six and some of you out there know what's going to come up here with series six of uh the marvel legends which were released in 2004 uh because series six is where we get my boy which is Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool, I think, is arguably, now I am very biased, the best Marvel Legends figure to come out. He had swappable heads. He came with so many accessories. He had that sort of sidekick gimmick of coming with dupe. He had a little sort of flight stand, uh, which I hadn't really talked about, but there were these clear little flight stand pieces with plugs uh, to go in the back. And to be 
honest with you, having a dig back through, I don't think any of the others had come with up until that point, unless it was sort of a box set one or that, but um, I think he might have been the first to actually come uh, with sort of that flight stand, but he had the size, he had guns, he had pistols, I mean, what more could you want in an action figure? He was absolutely fantastic. But what might sound kind of shocking is that Deadpool was not much of a character of note. And I do remember in sort of the early message boards in that some people sort of being like, who's this guy? What, what's a dead... Like, get his superpowers by drowning in a pool. Like, what's... Uh, it was just kind of a bit of a weird character. And because he wasn't that well of a known character, he was uh, one of these chase figures. He wasn't as rare as the Red Skull, but he was not packed as heavily as the other figures here in the wave, which once again uh, is seeming like warning bells to me now. Uh, you got to remember, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of Series 5. It wasn't as easy to track down. We didn't have it here in Australia, and it was easy to forget the character selection we had. But, I mean, from 3, 4, and this Series here, 6, we're getting a lot of X-Men uh, characters. So I'm, I'm thinking we're just starting to head down the X-Men uh, path here. So the figures we get in this wave is not only my boy Deadpool, uh, but we get Cable as well. Uh, we have the Juggernaut. We got Phoenix. We got uh, Wolverine in his classic brown costume. And we have a Punisher, which is based off the Thomas Jane uh, movie. Now, the uh, X-Men characters here in this wave are fairly good. So Phoenix does use that sort of Electra buck, uh, but was very popular back uh, in the day. She was another one that wasn't too easy to uh, track down and did go for some money, particularly that red costume version. I remember turning up in the uh, Toy Fair Top 10 a lot. Juggernaut was just like, he was a juggernaut. He was a behemoth uh, there in the packet and a uh, great great figure and sculpt he did always have a little bit of sort of gorilla arms but uh still it really did work there i really like the cable i mean that could just be my x-men error biased and the sort of rob liefeld side but uh he came with a big gun that also sort of turned into a weird little hover chair that looked like it was out of a video game but uh he was great he was really playing up sort of that variant side here as well you had the sort of Blue and yellow costume, which was uh, more of the design he was wearing. Not even so much at this time. Uh, at this time, there was a bit of legal battle going on at Marvel between Rob Liefeld uh, and themselves. So they'd kind of changed Deadpool and Cable into being uh, Soldier X and Agent X, which uh, you later found out Agent X wasn't even Deadpool. He was just uh, partly made off a whole Deadpool chunk and some other guys, which is a whole weird uh, complex story. But sort of before this era, uh, Cable was wearing this sort of blue suit with uh, yellow straps on it. He didn't have the big shoulder uh, pieces, which this figure came with. And I was very happy to see that those shoulder pieces were uh, removable, the big pauldron piece there. So if you've got him with the brown costume, that 
stylistically does work better with the pauldron piece, whereas the blue and yellow, uh, it's more off it. But uh, once again, it's just it's your figure. It's your choice. Do with it what you want. Uh, now, the Wolverine is a great one. Here's another one I picked up just recently with the other uh, Wolverine, but I did skip him back in the day, once again, for similar reasons. I had a lot of Wolverine figures if I was uh, going to be spending money. Uh, I was picking up other figures. Uh, but when it came to this wave, I really did not have to spend too much. I was quite lucky to find Deadpool on sale uh, at a Toys R Us. They had a whole just case of uh, Marvel Legends Wave 6 uh, in a big crate. So digging through that, I was able to find a Deadpool, and they were $13. So uh, I nabbed him. Uh, and then the rest I actually picked up. Uh, when they were on sale for $6 at a lot of our clearance toy stores. We got hit uh, fairly heavy with these guys in buyout stores. Now, from what I've actually heard, this wave was a bit harder to track down in the States, which led to some of even the basic figures uh, going for some bigger money back there in the time. And (laughs) I, I guess... Stores just weren't buying as much, and then uh, us being close to China were able to pick them up on the clearance. So uh, these guys did sit around for ages uh, in a lot of our stores, even ones like Juggernaut. uh, You could find him quite easily for the longest of time. Uh, So uh, when it came to Wolverine, uh, even though I didn't have the brown costume and I wanted him for a while, I was kind of reluctant to pick him up because he was going for some high prices, but... I'd seen him for $6 back in the day, and I have this thing where if I've seen a figure for a certain price, that lowest price I've seen it at is kind of the price I roughly want to get around uh, in picking up. It doesn't always work, but it's a bit of a mental block I have uh, when hunting down figures. So if it's a figure that's been on clearance and then goes up later on in market value, it can be very hard for me to finally pull the trigger on. Coming around here, we have season Series 7. Uh, now, Series 7, uh, like Series 5, did not hit here uh, in Australia, so it was a little bit harder to track these guys down. Uh, in this one, we had Apocalypse. We had Ghost Rider. Now, this is a different Ghost Rider. The one released in Series 3, I failed to mention, was Danny Ketch. This one is the Johnny Blaze one, which came with a, fair, a sort of phasing variant. So you actually can uh, see the head there of uh, Johnny Blaze mixed in. Now, the uh, you also had Goliath getting uh, a re-release here. Now, once again, it was that uh, exact same one from back in Series 4, but just released on Series 7 packaging. You had Iron Man in his Silver Centurion armor. Uh, you had the Vision that also came with sort of a phasing variant, but this one at the time, phasing sort of meant like as in him phasing through walls. And you had Weapon X, which is just another Wolverine. Uh, We're going to be hearing Wolverine's name a lot as I go through the Toy Biz era. Uh, They definitely did like to do him, but uh, they they tried to trick you here by giving him a uh, bit of a different name. Now, uh, the one... Sorry, I forgot to mention, I was leaving him off uh, because he is another contender for one of the greatest figures they've done, which is Hawkeye. Uh, who came with his uh, little hover stand and a whole bunch of different arrows, which included the one uh, with Ant-Man 
holding on to it, which is just fantastic. They uh, based off a great uh, Avengers solo issue, and they homaged it in the Civil War movie recently. But just uh, it's really great to get those little Easter egg touches in there. I love that in toys when they give you those just little Easter eggs uh, hidden in there, being uh, one thing that I just I, I love it. I love it. It's one of my favourite things, guys. I love it. Uh, now, the Apocalypse uh, was a bit of a weird one for me. I didn't end up uh, picking him up. I didn't pick up a lot of this line. I was even just recently looking at Silver Centurion Iron Man, and it is a uh, sort of classic Armory's Warm, but it's never really been my favourite. I haven't read really much of the era of it. Uh, I did pick up the Vision on that same sort of Black Saturday. I picked up uh, Sabretooth. Never picked up the Weapon X one. He's one that I might uh, go back to now that I'm sort of refilling in a lot of these Wolverine holes uh, that I've missed because it is uh, a fairly different uh, design there. But Hawkeye was the only one uh, that I did pick up. And I picked him up. I still paid a fair bit for him. Uh, because he ended up going up a huge amount on the secondary market, but I did really want him. So I had about, uh, I was around 60 or so dollars credit at my local comic book store, and it was around Christmas, and uh, I got my dad to chip in 50 bucks and picked him up. Uh, So he's arguably, even though I use credit, one of the more expensive single-action figures that I've uh, ever brought, which, you know, I picked him up for a uh, fairly large amount. I I kind of did pay $110 for him, but technically I actually hadn't handed over any money at all. So I was excited, and I'm sure the store uh, was very excited uh, to move him at that price. So... Uh, I think we all felt like we won all around, but he is a good one. Unfortunately, mine uh, in the waste section has sort of come apart. I've been able to fix him, but really need to get in there with some super glow. I haven't heard of it happening with too many others, so I think it's just mine, but not a big common one. But uh was good starting to see some other classic characters here, like Vision and Hawkeye, starting to get out into the wider breadth. Coming into Series 8 now... This was the time we started to notice a little bit of a change. It's hard to describe what kind of happened here uh, with Series 8, but we did start to see a little bit more detail coming in, I want to say, with the figures. Um, uh, A little more sculpting work going on, extra articulation points uh, being added in. So nothing too drastic, but this was always a line that sort of stuck out to me that uh, something... There's a little bit of change in the air. It could have been they started to include those sort of playing cards in here uh, from memory. Uh, so it could have been that. They were prominent there on the packet. But uh, definitely a wave that uh, seemed to be slightly different than what we'd gotten before. Now, in this wave, we had Black Widow. Now, there were actually two Black Widows because you had the regular Natalia Romanov, uh, the character we all know from the Avengers films. But you also had Yelena Belova, uh, who is the blonde uh, Black Widow, who'd sort of replaced... Natalia was back at this time, but it was around that early, late 90s, early 2000s that uh, Yelena was uh, in the Black Widow role from that sort of Marvel Knights era. You had uh, Dr. Octopus figure. Now, once again, this is where my... uh, 
skeptic brain was going for, I'll certainly get some Spider-Man figures in here. I don't know about this. Oh, they might be running out of juice. Uh, We had a re-release of the Doombot because he was the chase uh, sort of variant there and he was going for some big money. So it was a nice chance for people to get him again and being an army builder, sort of why not. We had uh, Iceman. Now, one thing I have forgotten to talk about because I was talking about the X-Men coming out uh, and how I sort of felt about them taking away from the larger Marvel Universe. But one cool thing I did like that they were doing with the X-Men was with their display stands that they were coming with was sort of like a bit of a trashed Sentinel uh base so you could kind of connect their bases together even though they didn't really connect but you could place them around and almost have this sort of fallen destroyed sentinel that they're all battling on and Iceman's had his sort of ice bridge rocking too which uh, I always uh, liked Uh, you had an Iron Man in his uh, modern armor uh, which is a very dated armor now to go back at this was Kind of the armor he was wearing around the time that uh, Jeff Johns uh, was writing uh, The Avengers, uh, which uh, for some of you might sound surprising because you know Jeff Johns mainly as a DC guy, but he did uh, write a run on Avengers, uh, which isn't the worst thing uh, in the world. I do actually recommend the first half of it. It's sort of, you can tell... Uh, apparently had a bit of problems with uh, Marvel editors there. They weren't exactly treating him the nicest, so he took off, and you can kind of tell it by the end half of his run. Uh, but particularly his Red Skull story uh, in there, I think it was called Red State. Uh, I do... Oh, Red Menace. Red Menace or Red State, I do uh, recommend checking out. Uh, we also had a, a bit of Man-Thing action going on here, so Marvel's uh, version of Swamp Thing, uh, the Man-Thing uh, coming in here and we had Storm to fill in our X-Men quota. Now she had a bit of a variant going where you also had the Mohawk version but didn't overly like that because the Mohawk version being on sort of the black suit didn't quite hit with me. I don't know. She might have actually worn it points in the comics but uh, for me the Mohawk sort of came with the actual punk uh, outfit design there. Uh, so fairly... Fairly solid wave. Oh, and once the, I always do this. I leave one out because I want to come back around to talk about it, and then I sort of pretend like I've talked about the whole wave. Uh, one that I have left out uh, but was a huge part of this wave and one that uh, I was uh, happy to see and uh, pick up and would arguably be the one probably debatable uh, in terms of the greatest Marvel Legends figure is Ultimate Captain America. Now, this guy was a great buck. He was really poseable. He had some great detail going on. His actual chain mail was sculpted in. He was a really fantastic piece, and there was a variant of him that came with the wings, so you got that classic Captain America look. He's a damn good figure. And it was actually because of this figure that I went back to pick up a book known as The Ultimates, which I'd kind of skipped over. I was reading Ultimate Spider-Man, but didn't really get into the rest of the Ultimate universe. Uh, But, oh, is The Ultimates a good book? It's where a lot of 
uh, Marvel Universe have taken their cues from. It's actually kind of funny to read in retrospect because uh, in like the second and third issue, they're actually talking about Robert Downey Jr. And it's a uh, nice uh, little bit of foreshadowing to what ended up happening uh, with Marvel's Avengers future. Uh, But a really, uh, really great book. Uh, and it was a great figure coming off it. So I uh, definitely have high recommends uh, for that Captain America figure. In fact, this whole wave is pretty good. I do uh, like the Iron Man. He's debatable in some people's eyes. He's got some weird lanky articulation going on, but uh, it did work for me. Man-Thing is great detail. Uh, The Doctor Octopus is a great sort of classic Doctor Octopus and uh, is better than any of the ones we got over in the Spider-Man classics that was going on through there at the time. So a uh, fairly, fairly good wave there, Series 8. And we were starting to see that kick up in detail, articulation. But then, with the winds of change in the air, things definitely hit big time, if you pardon the pun, with uh, the next series uh, that came out. So this is where we start to drop the numbering, but uh, a lot of people refer to it as Series 8. But this is the Galactus Builder Figure wave. So Builder Figures had been around uh, since before this. There was that uh, classic Universal Monsters line with the giant uh, Frankenstein and that in there. But this is really where Builder Figures got their name put on the map uh, with this Galactus, who was uh, great and incredibly detailed. But uh, once again, a fairly solid line. So in this line, we had Bullseye, we had Deathlock, we had Doctor Strange, we had the Hulk, we had Nightcrawler, we had Professor X, and we had War Machine. Uh, now, once again, we're getting a little bit of X-Men quota, but it's some X-Men guys that we haven't really gotten much uh, love and attention in the past, so I was uh, <laughs> not too not too disappointed with the ones we got here. We had a War Machine, which was uh, great. I was really excited to see War Machine. He's not even one of my favourite characters, but uh, I, was, I was just excited uh, to see him uh, chucked in there. Uh, we had Bullseye that I was really excited for. I did... Uh, do like uh, my Daredevil, so to finally get this classic villain. And once again, like, I've mentioned a couple of them, like, we get one or two a wave and they're kind of Spider-Man or uh, X-Men villains. So getting a villain here that's a key part of the larger Marvel Universe, and not even a particularly big one, like, he's kind of just in the Daredevil camp. He's, you know, one of the most classic Marvel moments of all time, you know. Uh, but I'm magic. Uh, it's just, oh, still sends shivers down my pine. But um, really happy to uh, get him. Now, I did actually pick up the variant of him. This is uh, one of the few times I didn't buy the main figure, I brought the variant, and that was the uh, sort of gritting teeth, smiling one. And he stands out in my mind. I don't know why, but uh, I brought him when I went to a Victorian market with my nan. And for some reason, I, I just always connect Bullseye with my nan, which is, is kind of a weird thing uh, to say. Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, great figure here. And I actually do uh, owe a bit of gratitude to this Doctor Strange figure. I knew Doctor Strange uh, from the comics. I was a comic book reader, but didn't really care for him too much. But uh, these guys were still coming with comic books, even though they're coming with build the figure parts and all this. Uh, they were still hitting with 
us with comic books. Comic books I didn't pay too much attention to because uh, often I had read the story or they were part of a story, which uh, it seems kind of disappointing. But this one came with a uh, sort of bits and pieces from Strange Tales with the old Steve Ditko stuff. And generally speaking, I wasn't too big of a fan of the Silver Age uh, comics. They they definitely have their place in the history, but as a bit of a young guy, they, they weren't where m- my attention was being held. But I really dug these Strange Tales, and it got me to sort out a lot of the old Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange. And there is some good stuff in there, even from uh, being an old standpoint. It really kicked off... Uh, a love of Silver Age Doctor Strange for me, so uh, a lot of credit to that figure. He also came with his big bellowing cape with, with a weird sort of soft rubber but was thick that I did like but didn't love. Like, I love that they made his cape that big and round, but it was very hard to get him into poses that would hold without the cape sort of squishing him all uh, back in and even now, it takes up a lot of shelf space. The Hulk uh, was the first appearance uh, design. Uh, now, I think he was the first one starting to touch, but this will be a bit of a running theme in the upcoming ways, that uh, way of getting characters out that they've done before is doing their, quote-unquote, first appearance. Uh, now, we also have Nightcrawler, who I was happy to see. I was a uh, fan of his. Uh, he's one of my favourite of the X-Men. I actually had... Uh, the X-Men Evolution series Nightcrawler in his place till I got this one. Uh, he was a highly articulated figure, so he seemed to fit in well with the X-Men uh, ways until this one hit. And he's a really great uh, figure. There's a ton of articulation uh, on this guy. Uh, Professor X, who was uh, famously, famously, still to this day, people will talk about it, Professor X, who was meant to come with his hover chair, uh, but had it swapped out for the sculpt used for his movie counterpart's wheelchair, uh, just for cost to uh, bring that down a bit. And people are still upset about this. I can understand why. Would have been cool to have gotten. Uh, I'm one of these people who I kind of prefer... Xavier just in a regular wheelchair, but uh, I mean, the 90 series is gospel to a lot of people, so I definitely understand where the love uh, comes from there. War Machine, it was sort of based off that original uh, Iron Man body and comes with all sorts of uh, guns and uh, rocket launchers, and he had the cool little effects pieces that you'd put over him, which was kind of new at the time, and really dug, really dug uh, what they did uh, with him. There. Now, he was one I actually picked up uh, later on, and I actually, I'm, I'm kind of blanking here <laughs> who it was I brought it off, but uh, it was in my early days on the Action Figure Blues uh, message board, and I think it was either Justin or, or Adam that I brought my war machine off uh, in the uh, sort of trading store down there in the Action Figure Blues website. So uh, it was long before I was on the show and uh, is still just a fan, but uh, I uh, picked him up off one of them. I'm blanking uh, <laughs> between uh, two because it was still just message board names and I was kind of like, oh, I, no, this guy's one of the hosts, but I, I'm not too sure because his message board name didn't relate with uh, 
who it was uh, on the names of the show. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do uh, remember that. So early Action Figure Blues connection there uh, with that figure. Now, the one I haven't talked about yet uh, was the weird one. And this is one of the few times uh, in my uh, collecting of Marvel Legends that I didn't really know a character when he was released, and that was Deathlock. Uh, so he was a fairly popular character in the early 90s. Um, somehow he'd avoided turning up on my radar until this line was announced. Uh, I picked him up uh, because he was cheap in a, a weird little store that was like a precursor to Zing that used to be at High Point called Urban Collectors. And they had him there. I guess I just had money burning a hole in my pocket and I wanted a Marvel Legends, so... Uh, got him and read the comic that he came with him to sort of learn who he was. Uh, didn't really uh, grab me too much. Didn't mind the figure overly, except he has a gun that has a tube that comes into his chest, which doesn't even seem to be that much from any of the comics that I've read. I really haven't read uh, that much of him. But he, he was a bit of a weird one uh, for me. I, I generally... I mean... People are probably going to laugh uh, when I say this. I like to assume that I have a fairly good uh, comic book knowledge uh, base, but uh, this was definitely an eye-opener that I still had uh, some things to learn. Because really, uh, I look back now, and he wasn't that obscure of a character as I sort of thought of him being when they made and released him. So uh, no matter how knowledgeable you are in any area, there's always a much deeper rabbit hole uh, yet to trumble down and learn. Uh, now, coming out of this wave, we came into uh, what would be Series 9, but uh, is known to many as the Sentinel Wave. And I'm going to put it out there. This is arguably the greatest builder figure of all time. Uh, so the Sentinel Wave... Uh, was a very X-Men heavy wave. Uh, so even though it might be the greatest builder figure of all time, uh, young Eddie was not too thrilled with this wave. So uh, let's go over this wave and see if you can tell uh, who I was most excited about. Now, keep in mind what used to disappoint me with Marvel Legends was when they would do figures based on X-Men and Spider-Man. So in this wave, we had Angel, Cyclops, Black Panther... Mystique, Omega Red, Sinister, and first appearance Spider-Man. So, guys, it's a bit of a tough one. We are able to pick out the character I was most excited to get out of this wave. There was Black Panther. There was uh, <laughs> no ifs and buts. Uh, particularly, this Black Panther is based on the Christopher Priest uh, comic book version from the Marvel Knights, which is a damn uh, good run. Uh, I... Oh, one of my highest uh, Marvel recommends is checking out that uh, series. They have just recently uh, reprinted it all uh, in collections, so it's not even too hard to track down like it once was. So uh, highest of recommends there. So if we were getting a version of Black Panther at that time, this was uh, the version I wanted. And I actually really liked this buck that they did. It worked for me, sort of his adamantium armour and... Uh, sort of gravelly designs, but uh, oddly this buck will come back to haunt us a bit. Now, the other figures that we had uh, in this collection 
Angel. Uh, now, this guy sort of stood out to me because uh, they got an idea that they were stealing uh, Brad Pitt's likeness for the uh, Angel uh, head sculpt here, which I always sort of found funny. We had Cyclops, which, to be honest, I didn't hate, even though I generally didn't like uh, getting the X-Men too much uh, here in my Marvel Legends. Uh, I believe at this time X-Men Classics had kicked off and they were doing figures over there. X-Men Classics were a bit weird. They really didn't do a lot of comic-accurate uh, costume designs. So uh, Cyclops is... Uh, one of my main dudes uh, when it comes to uh, X-Men figures. The very first X-Men figure I got was the old uh, X-Factor Cyclops with his uh, laser blast there uh, and that weird sort of jet propulsion thing that you'd slide both hands into on that original 5-inch Toy Biz figure. Sort of a, it was a weird accessory. Still to this day, one of the weirdest accessories of all time. Uh, but I was uh, happy to... you. Uh, get this Cyclops. Bit disappointed with him in hand. He actually had fairly limited articulation. I think he might have even reused parts of that original Wave 4 Punisher. He had no sort of a, any sort of chest articulation there at all. Now it is in his sort of classic uh, uh, Claremont era days X-Men just blue with the cap on outfits which was making a return at this time uh, in the comics. Him having the full cap on rather than the Jim Lee hair look so uh, I didn't mind the aesthetic that they'd chosen to go with uh, this Cyclops uh, look it was more the lack of articulation that was a bit disappointing I did like that the chase was the x-factor one though because that was my original Cyclops figure and as a Cyclops fan that was the one that I played with uh, a lot so it was uh, very nice to see that and Angel also came uh, with his blue uh, chase variant there, so you could do a little bit of X-Factor building uh, going on. Omega Red was actually a fantastic figure. I might be a bit of a sour bum talking about the X-Men here. Now, keep in mind, this is young Eddie's perspective. Uh, doesn't necessarily voice my concerns here. Uh, Omega Red, I he was a bit of a cheesy character from the 90s. I still think he's got a lot of untapped potential, though. You, you could do uh, some interesting things here with Omega Red, but uh, he was a really cool behemoth uh, of a figure there, and uh, coming with his little uh, carbondonium uh, sort of ten tentacles. Uh, but yeah, nice. He, he was a uh, nice one. Sinister, once again, I was a little bit disappointed with Sinister. He had some uh, little lacking articulation going on, and a little bit of a big head uh, going on there with the sculpts. That It's hard to put my finger on, but out of the packet, I was a bit more disappointed with Mr. Sinister than I thought I would be. Uh, first appearance Spider-Man, though, is actually great. There's a lot of really good articulation going on uh, with him. And they did, even though this is first appearance Spider-Man, and it is meant to be that Steve Ditko suit, because they've added touches of realism, I actually think they've drawn more from the way Alex Ross uh, paints Spider-Man. So... He's kind of a weird mix between Steve Ditko and Alex Ross for me, but that's not necessarily a complaint. I do think it really works quite well uh, for the Marvel Legends aesthetic. Unlike some of the other first of um, appearance figures, he doesn't sort of stick out like a sore thumb uh, on the shelf against other characters, like sort of the Hulk being that Jack Kirby look and uh, the Thing being that weird 
design sort of uh, did stand out like. So uh, he's one of the first appearance ones that really worked for me as uh, part of the line as a whole. The big disappointment, though, and I'm going to put in my vote for the worst Marvel legend uh, from the Toy Biz era is Mystique. There's just... Something about Mystique here just didn't really work for me. She's one of the worst figures to try and stand uh, that I ever had. Never got a lot of sense of character coming off her. She felt sort of small. Uh, Just really didn't like the head sculpt, didn't like the hair design. Just really didn't work for me. But what did work is the Sentinel Builder figure. This thing is massive. There is so much paint application going on here for those sort of copper wire looks and bits and pieces and the fact that you had uh, the tentacles that could come out of the arm and wrap around uh, like it uh, did happen in the comics but uh, I'm sort of reminds me more of the 90s animated series in the first episode grabbing sort of Jubilee there but really really great piece and just something that you didn't even dream of happening is getting a figure that huge that would be in scale uh, with these ones. So even though that is falls in the X-Men camp, uh, even young Eddie had to bow to the awesomeness that was that Sentinel uh, figure. Now, this was also the first time I ever remember buying a whole wave at once uh, because of that Sentinel figure. Uh, I really didn't happen too much. It's fine. That's how I buy my Marvel Legends now, but really wasn't till uh, this wave here. I mean, you might be able to argue for on discount but even then i didn't really pick up the whole wave because that goliath uh one but this was one i picked up every figure there and then uh on the spot and the purchase was for uh that whole wave so uh really really happy with that wave and is still a wave uh much talked about because of that sentinel figure you'll still find people on marvel legends boards trying to track that one down Coming through to the next series, they did step back from the Builder figures uh, as we get into uh, Series 11 now, uh, which would be uh, the Legendary Riders. So they they were trying to get a premise going here. I I, I think it was a bit loosely done. Uh, They all sort of came with a vehicle they could ride around in, but most didn't really pair up with their vehicle quite well. You had uh, the Hulkbuster, which gained a lot of popularity recently, just before Age of Ultron came out. This guy skyrocketed uh, through the roof, at least until uh, we got the Builder figure of the movie version starting to hit. But people were really after this guy there. But uh, despite being a big figure, back in the day, he was not overly popular. I think people were starting to tire a bit from the amount of... Uh, Iron Man variants we're getting. It wasn't as bad a Wolverine, but he was turning up a uh, fair bit here in this line. Uh, we had the notorious Scarlet Witch that uh, just had a bit of a bad head sculpt. I didn't pick her up uh, back in the day, but yeah, she was a bit of an odd one. She wasn't too easy to track down either, so she did command um, some higher prices there, but not really worth it if you actually have seen that one there in person. We had the Taskmaster, which is a damn great figure. I love the Taskmaster. Once again, a bit of an obscure villain that we're picking up on here. Uh, so I was really excited to see him. Unfortunately, his cape does suffer that sort of Doctor Strange syndrome a little bit, but uh, the amount of other accessories and bits and bob you get in with him uh, there as well, I really can't complain uh, too much at all. 
you had your <laughs> uh, X-Men figure of the wave, and uh, it's your classic Wolverine. Uh, so you had, he was the Days of Future Past version, uh, but on his <laughs> everyday motorbike. And you also had the Chase version of him being a younger Wolverine that came with his cowboy cap, uh, which was disappointing because that cowboy hat really does not fit that head sculpt at all and just looks like it's sitting on his head as if he's used way too much hair gel and the hat's just resting lightly on top of his weird uh, sort of pointed pompadour look uh, he has going on. Now, he does use the Grant Morrison X-Men buck uh, from the X-Men Classics for this figure, and the jacket that they've given him uh, is just a soft rubber one, so it's hard to pose him because the rubber uh, of the jacket just bounces around, and as that figure gets older, I'm a bit more reluctant to move the arm, so a little disappointed uh, on him there. We got an Ultron, which... Yeah, so like Scarlet Witch, uh, this Ultron comes with a bit of a weird head sculpt. Now, originally he was going with a, an obscure comic version of Ultron where he kind of looked more like Shockwave uh, from Transformers. Now, people did kind of seem a bit unhappy about that, so Toy Biz relented and sort of quickly locked down a more classic uh, Ultron head sculpt. Uh, that really didn't sort of fit the body that he came on in. It was just kind of this weird hodgepodge that didn't really look like any Ultron uh, you'd seen before. You you could recognise it, uh, but what was disappointing was he uh, came on a little sort of goblin glider piece because it's the legendary rider theme, and that had an Ultron head sculpt on it that was actually more accurate than the one uh, they had given us uh, on the actual figure. So <laughs> you're like, well, you can do it. It's just you haven't done it up here, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, so he's a bit of an obscure one. I don't hate him as a figure. I got a bit of a weird soft spot for him. Uh, once again, larger universe uh, villain. Uh, but hey, he, he is definitely a bit of an uh, odd duckling there. You had Vengeance, who is a uh, sort of side Ghost Rider character. But he, he used to get a lot of merchandise love vengeance he does pop up a bit for a character that really hasn't had too many appearances but he's kind of he he was always to me he was the venom to ghost rider spider-man uh so i can see where he gets the fan appeal he had that uh look that people just loved there in the 90s you had first appearance thing that is a cool figure but it's just kirby did not draw the thing the same later on as he did uh here so it was always a bit of an odd uh, duckling. Now we had Wonder Man, which uses that Black Panther buck I talked about before, and it just doesn't really work for a regular human body buck. Just having that adamant, uh, vibranium design uh, through. I think I said adamantium before, so I apologise. I know you've probably already written in the comments already, but I uh, apologise there. Uh, didn't really quite work uh, too well here for me on Wonder Man, but kind of happy for the figure. He was a bit more on the obscure end, at least back then. Uh, for merchandise, so happy to have him. And he did come with an Ionic uh, chase, which is something I wish they did for the more uh, modern Wonder Man that came out recently. Turning then to Series 12, uh, we hit... Uh, I returned to that uh, Build-A-Figure, this time being Apocalypse, and this was a much better Apocalypse for me in the design choice that they've gone with uh, than the one that came out in the regular scale. Uh, earlier on. This is much more that sort of 
more classic Walt Simonson uh, design apocalypse. But the wave itself uh, was cool to me, even though it was X-Men heavy. So in this wave, we had Bishop. Uh, we had Wolverine in his modern Joss Whedon astonishing design, which was really cool to me because that seemed to come around uh, really quick that we are getting that modern version. We had Maestro, uh, who I'll come back and talk a little bit on. Uh, we have Sasquatch. And we had X-23, which, like the Astonishing Wolverine, uh, was amazing that we'd got this character so quickly um, after she'd started appearing in the comics. Uh, And, well, she comes from a cartoon series, but uh, she'd only just fairly recently started appearing in the comics, so it was cool to get her. So, bit of a timely wave, this one, in retrospect, if we're going to come back and look at it. X-23 is obviously uh, popular with the Logan movie hitting now, and Iron Fist uh, has just come on Netflix, so uh, probably a wave a lot of people are looking back on at this moment. Now, this was a wave that was very heavy on the chase figures, so uh, Bishop had a chase where he came with his uh, bald bald head look which he was rocking in the comics at the time rather than the dreadlocked uh look or sort of long black hair look that he was running with now i really like bishop because he just came with massive guns uh which was a 90s staple but uh I, they they made it work here they these are some good massive guns compared to that modern cable that came out recently but uh I, I, he's a little more limited on the articulation end just because of the bulk of his body, but uh, he, he was a fun one to constantly pick up and play around with. Now, Iron Fist is a one that seems to be a bit debatable among fans. Some people really like him, some uh, dislike him. He does have uh, some sort of weird, almost ball-like points on his shoulders with the articulation, but... Uh, I do like him. I, I think he's a good uh, poser, and I had him on my desk while I was watching the Iron Man ser- uh, Iron Fist series uh, here on Netflix recently, and was able to get him into some fairly nice, uh, cool poses. And sort of, he has an open arm hand and then a fist hand, and comes with that energy effect you can slide on. Uh, it just worked well. Now he comes with a chase, which is a battle damage version, but it's also him in his uh, red outfit, which he did wear for a little bit in the comics, but really not too long at all. Like, I'm kind of a bit mixed on that one. I don't know if I would have just preferred him to release it in the red costume or release the green with a more battle-damaged uh, look rather than doing both battle-damaged and red in one. They also gave him on the red brown hair, which uh, generally is done with blonde-haired Danny, so I, I, I don't know if... Maybe he had brown hair in the comics at the time of that red uh, costume. It's been a while since I'd checked those issues out, but I think he still had blonde. And Yeah, it always just seemed a little bit weird to me. Now, the Chase of the Wolverine is an unmasked version, which I thought was really cool because they did it with the uh, mask sort of coming down off his back uh, there, which was a uh, very nice touch. X-23 came with her sort of pre-X-Men purple outfit and sort of a more wavy head. Uh, now, this buck is a bit of a... It's a weird buck. He's got a fairly much big head syndrome. Uh, I did check her out again recently. I do have her there on my shelf. I've got the purple version. And I like the buck a little bit more than I thought I did. So I don't know if it was just the effect of the movie having that on me. Uh, but particularly, she's got the retractable claws in her feet, uh, which I didn't know she came with when I originally opened her all those years ago, which was a very nice Easter egg. As I said, I love those Easter eggs. Uh, But 
Yeah, it is just a weird one. She's a bugger to stand, and she's also got issues with her neck articulation where uh, she's got sort of two points on it, even though she's got a small uh, head and the hair limits it. And you often find out you're getting it stuck, so you can rock it back and forth, but not uh, forwards. Sasquatch is a pretty cool figure. He is massive, uh, sort of touches on a little bit that... um, the Swamp Thing buck, but a lot of brand new pieces uh, running in here. Now, his chase is one of those things where everyone's got those just little like, oh, no, uh, bits. And his chase is one for me where people constantly refer to his chase as the Wendigo, uh, which I can understand. Uh, the Wendigo is similar in that it's kind of a white uh, Bigfoot type creature, at least the way it's depicted in the Marvel comics. But what the Sasquatch chase actually is, is Snowbird, who's another Alpha Flight member who can turn into different Arctic creatures, uh, can turn into uh, Sasquatch. And that's what it is. You turn into like a white version uh, with red eyes. So it's technically a whole other Alpha Flight member uh, you're getting there. Uh, with that piece but it <laughs> just one of my sort of pet little niggles is when i see people talking about uh i am looking for the wendigo variant it's like no they, they, you, they, he was done by hasbro there, there's a hasbro wendigo <laughs> to track down uh but yeah that's just me being an old fuddy daddy uh coming on through we'll move on to series 13 and this was a wave that had me excited because we were finally hitting some villains. They'd heard a lot of us fans complain about not getting enough villains and they hit us with a wave that was just entirely villains. Just before I get into the main wave, I just wanted to mention that unfortunately with this wave, we didn't get uh, what they originally intended us to have with this wave, which was instead of a builder figure part, it was actually going to come with separate henchmen army builder figures. So uh, rather than an arm or a leg, you would have gotten an aim soldier, a hydra soldier, uh, one of the Hellfire Club members, which we still haven't gotten, which would be fantastic. And uh, this would have been really cool. Uh, on the flip side, though, I wonder how it would have worked having army builders in a wave with uh, single uh, one-off characters. So I can see why they dropped it. Uh, it's sad we still don't even have characters like the Hellfire Club soldier today, but uh, interesting concept uh, that was originally intended for this line. So we had Abomination, we had Blackheart, we had the Green Goblin, we had Lady Deathstrike, we had Loki, and we had Pyro. So they did still get in a couple of X-Men here. Now, one I was really happy with, I like uh, Pyro. He is an Australian, uh, so I do have a soft spot for him. Lady Deathstrike, I actually can't stand. She's one of my least favourite uh, Marvel characters. Uh, <laughs> she's up there uh, with Legion uh, for me. So it's, I, I wasn't too thrilled about uh, getting her, but she's not the worst figure, i got to say, uh, at least there. Abomination is cool because he's just that really massive buck that, you know, if he came out today, it'd be a builder figure, and he was. Uh, now, Blackheart is a uh, Ghost Rider villain, uh, and he's sort of this weird kind of crazy, creepy, almost sea urchin-y kind of design has always rung off me. Now, one of the big stars here for me was the Green Goblin, one. Now, this Green Goblin is based 
Uh, kind of a lot on the Ramita era uh, Green Goblin. Uh, he sort of stands out to me as being a little cartoony on the shelf. And unfortunately, he did have the pumpkin bomb just permanently locked in his hand there, which I didn't quite like. But uh, not a bad figure for the most part all the way around. Very happy to be getting the uh, the obscure end uh, Loki. Now, as I mentioned, I wasn't a big Thor fan, but Loki had played a bit of a part in Deadpool towards the mid part uh, of that 90s run. Uh, So I did quite like Loki as a character, and he was also a main villain for the Avengers back in the day. So I was happy to be getting this obscure uh, Marvel character, Loki, of course. Now, uh, thanks to Tom Hiddleston, he is a big mainstay of the Marvel Universe, but it wasn't always the case. And unfortunately, this line did suffer for it. As much as fans complained about not getting enough villains, this was a peg warmer, notorious of a wave. It stuck around. Now, it could have been because of the Builder figure too, which I had a soft spot for uh, being a 90s uh, Marvel kid, which was Onslaught. Onslaught was the first uh, big crossover in comics I participated with, uh, so it's it's always going to have a uh, little bit of affection from me. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't even the Onslaught design that I really liked. It was that weird crab design that he went with, but uh, it was a fairly nice detailed one. Smaller than we'd gotten, though, off other Builder figures, which was a bit of a disappointment. We noticed uh, things were shrinking a little bit as the cost of plastics went up. Uh, Now it's starting to hit down around our home straight here as we get into uh, Series 14, the penultimate wave, uh, saw the release of Baron Zemo, Falcon, first appearance Iron Man, Longshot, Luke Cage and Psylocke. Uh, So we had some figures here I was happy to see. Baron Zemo once again hits that uh, obscure villain uh, niche for me. Luke Cage was a great uh, pickup, as was Falcon. Uh, Here they were some larger Marvel Universe characters that I did uh, really like. And I mean, I, I like Iron Man, so... Uh, first appearance Iron Man, that is a classic outfit and look. Uh, so I was happy to grab him. Psylocke, yeah, it was a bit of an improvement on the female uh, buck. Uh, not too bad. Uh, the worst figure, though, for me was Longshot, who I think is up there with Mystique as one of the worst <laughs> Marvel Legends figures of all time. I actually picked him up when I was in New York from a $3 bin. Uh, that's what it took for me to actually uh, pick up this guy. But he is themed with the builder figure of the wave, which is Mojo. Uh, both him and Mojo come from the Mojoverse, uh, who was kind of a cool builder figure to get. He's one that probably just slightly too big to work in a regular uh, packet, as they were doing more of at the time, but a, uh, a, a cool character to grab. Even though he technically is from the X-Men realm, he was one I was a little bit more forgiving on. Uh, but that wasn't a bad wave for me, but it was one that stuck around a little bit and did tend to peg warm. Not as bad as the villain's wave, but uh, probably why you started to see things starting to wrap up around this time. Now, we also had coming in right here on the tail end, uh, I don't think it was the last year that they actually had it. No, I am wrong. It was uh, 2006. Uh, the last year that Toy Biz had the rights to make 
Marvel figures. We had uh, the Modok Builder Figure Wave, uh, which came with Beta Ray Bill, Captain Marvel, Thor Buster Iron Man, Moon Knight, Spider Woman, and Wasp. So this wave, once again, focused very heavily on having chases to all these figures. So Captain Marvel came with the Janice Vell look. Spider-Woman came with the Julia Carpenter look. Moon Knight uh, came with both sort of a... Uh, uh, see, his, Moon Knight's a bit of a hard one <laughs> to describe as a character. Uh, generally speaking, as he's depicted in the comics, he is all white uh it's not really the case his outfit is meant to be uh silver uh so they sort of have this blackish silver uh design to him uh but there was also an all-white uh version of him with a little bit of silver touch uh as well so it's kind of technically both silver but one's more of a black and one's more of a white <laughs> to the silver. Uh, Thor Buster had the coolest, uh, arguably, variant uh, to his chase, uh, which was the Destroyer armor, which arguably would have been a better figure than Thor Buster Iron Man, who was only used in like two comics, but I guess they wanted the Iron Man name on the packet. It moved things better. And Wasp just came with her various outfits. Now, she had a few, I don't even think uh, all of hers, she had like three or four variants to her because she's. Notorious for changing her costumes, but I think there were only two actually out, sort of her modern one and uh, that sort of bob uh, haircut run through there. Now, that's the main series of Marvel Legends I've uh, talked about. There were other releases coming out from uh, Toy Biz here. You had gift packs hitting as well. So uh, back in the early day, you had an X-Men gift pack that reused uh, some of the ones we'd gotten before, like uh, Beast... Gambits, Magneto, and Wolverine. They threw in a what Ben would call a really bad Hulk. Uh, you had the Urban Legends gift pack, which had Daredevil, which was a reuse of a Spider-Man's classic Daredevil. Uh, Electra in her white uh, outfits. Uh, you had Punisher, who had sort of more of a really bad screaming face in Game with a Bazooka, and a, a Spider-Man who was kind of like the animated Spider-Man. It was a bit of a weird figure, that one. Uh, you had what I'd argue is my favourite gift pack, which was the Spider-Man and the Sinister Six, which came with a black cat who was exclusive to the set, but to be honest, a bad figure. A Doctor Octopus, which uh, was a reuse of the Spider-Man classics. An Electro, who is a damn good uh, Toy Biz era Marvel Legends figure. I really like that one. Uh, Green Goblin, who was a repaint of the... Hobgoblin one uh, with a new head sculpt that was kind of weird because they gave him like a realistic look on the mask where the yellow eyes were sort of goggles looking in at Norman Osborn, which didn't quite work for me as we talked about on one of the recent episodes. Uh, we had uh, Craven the Hunter, which was another Spider-Man Classics reuse. Uh, we had what I thought was quite clever. It was the Sabretooth mold uh, with a new head sculpt for Venom that... Uh, I really liked that because it was sort of that classic Venom closed mouth look. Now, the Spider-Man in this wave I really dug uh, because it was very much the John Romita Jr. version of Spider-Man, which uh, I really liked. Uh, There was a Fantastic Four uh, set that I also really dug because this was a good way of just getting 
pretty much all uh, the Fantastic Four love you'd want from Marvel Legends in one. So we had a Doctor Doom that did have a new head sculpt uh, underneath it where he was that more scarred look. Uh, A Human Torch that had a flamed off head sculpt. An Invisible Woman, which was not a good figure at all. That's a bit of a weird head sculpt. A uh, Mr. Fantastic that was uh, fairly good. And uh, these guys were sort of the blue on... Uh, white versions of the outfit and a uh, thing in there <laughs> an actual thing uh, the thing everyone's uh, favorite blue-eyed thing benjamin j grim uh, and you also had some of those more little sort of sidekick buddy accessories with franklin richards and herbie uh, which was very nice. Now, I was disappointed. This is one of the stupidest things I could have been disappointed about in toy collecting. You want to talk about first world problems. I noticed there was a blue ball in the uh, set. Uh, now, Franklin Richards, at one point in the comic, created his whole universe, which is whole part of Heroes Reborn, and basically had a ball that consisted of a Marvel Universe inside of it. And I thought that's what we had Uh, in this set uh turns out it was uh meant to be like reed richards wrapped himself on the ball and there's the reed richards head print on the other side but i thought we're just getting a blue ball and that was the heroes reborn universe uh (laughs) inside of it little nod but uh silly thing and we get a herbie there uh as well for you fans of that old Fantastic Four cartoon. Uh, now, we did get some other ones as the time went along. You had Young Avengers. You had uh, Fearsome Foes. You had the Monster set that had Dracula, Frankenstein, Werewolf at, by Night, uh, the Zombie. Uh, and then right at the very end, we had the House of M. Uh, so the Hulk, Iron Man, the It, which is the House of M thing, and the Inhuman Torch. Uh, some really cool sculpts going on uh, there uh, with that one. It's a bit of weird because they weren't really the main characters from House of M, and House of M got touched on in some other ones. Uh, so the X-Men classics, you had the Wolverine House of M, and there was a Spider-Man House of M uh, out there as well. Uh, but yeah, it didn't sort of struck me as odd <laughs> that they didn't uh, touch on some other characters there, but I guess they were the ones that had uh, some really cool designs uh, to jump in on. Uh, now, there was some stuff going on over at Walmart as well. They had their own Fantastic Four uh, gift set, uh, which was uh, just sort of the torch and thing that you'd seen before, but the Invisible Woman and Mr. Fantastic were the Heroes Reborn version, so... A uh, little bit of a soft spot made for that one. Uh, back right in the beginning, you had uh, the stealth version of Iron Man, and you also had the Hulk with sort of his ripped shirt look. Uh, came out as exclusives for the original way. But they also got their own wave of figures, which is another huge builder figure. And this hit uh, in very early 2006, and that was the Giant Man. Uh, wave and it consisted of a Wolverine based on his Age of Apocalypse design, a Sabretooth based on his Age of Apocalypse design, uh, Scott Lang Ant-Man, a Captain Britain which unfortunately used that uh, Black Panther buck, 
a Kitty Pride, which was based on a more modern look in Astonishing, which was nice. A sort of classic Havocs with those big head fans. A Sentry, who was a fairly new character at the time. Uh, so much so, I'll come back to him because his head sculpts were a bit funny. Uh, you had Warbird and you had a new version of Thor that I actually really dug and ended up picking up. Uh, well, I picked up this whole wave. Uh, even though it was Walmart and hard to get here in Australia, our comic stores seem to have a lot of luck picking up these guys. I don't know if they they were offered outside of the States uh, to comic retailers through Diamond or something. Every now and then that happens. But we weren't in overly short supply of these, but most places sold them by the wave. So if you're grabbing them, you're grabbing all. So they weren't really uh, peg warmers. And that's how I got it. Now, unfortunately... My uh, Ant-Man, who was meant to come with the right arm, came with his left arm. Now, because I got his left arm instead of his right arm, and the Sentry had uh, two versions in this wave, I ended up with three pieces of that left arm, uh, but no right arm in which to ever actually to complete him. So even though I brought the entire wave, I never actually got uh, that, which was a bit unfortunate. Uh, of a piece uh, which does kind of suck uh, when you don't get the whole builder figure. And I actually forgot to mention, I'm going to jump back a bit because it is sort of some important information. Uh, it wasn't the first uh, stuff up that had affected me with uh, builder figure in Toy Biz era. The Apocalypse Wave is notorious because they forgot to put in uh, one of the pipes. Uh, for his arms that connect into the back. So much so, and they'd missed so many figures, that they actually send out these pipes to comic book stores to give out when people brought the figures as like, oh, hey, this is a part you need, but it's not included. So that's why you'll find a lot of people these days, now when they're completing their apocalypse, going like, oh, I got it all, but I'm missing this pipe. Does anyone have it? And there being a lot of crickets uh, outside when you hear that uh, question being asked. And it's because a lot of people don't. There's a lot of apocalypse that are missing that. People didn't know about going to comic stores and checking and grabbing that pieces. Or if a lot of people in the US, which were buying these guys at retail, uh, wouldn't have been offered the pipe when they're picking those. So a lot of people are missing them in general. Uh, now, there was a time where a lot of us collectors were recommending people who were looking for it, go and speak to your uh, local guy at Comic Stop. He might just have some in a drawer somewhere, like uh, ask around. Now, I think most of those sources have dried up, but if you are desperate, it is something uh, possibly worth doing, is calling around a few comic stores and seeing if by chance they have them. Uh, you be prepared, you might get a lot of blank answers. Uh, a lot of stores probably weren't around back then or have completely forgotten about it or never got them sent to them originally. Uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, a bit of a tricky one uh, to track down. It always sucks when uh, a builder figure doesn't quite work out because there's so much invested uh, in it all around. Uh, but it was a fairly good line. I really didn't like the Age of Apocalypse figures. It's not even just on the X-Men one. I didn't think the sculpts really worked uh, too well for me on those. Ant-Man I really loved. He had a nice removable helmet uh, that was great. Captain Britain was a really good head sculpt, but uh, the body didn't overly work for me on that. Uh, once again, sort of gritty um, Black Panther uh, sculpt. I did like Kitty Pride, but she had a bit of a matte... Uh, paint to her face, uh, which didn't quite work with the Wolverine 
astonishing figure, uh, but it was nice that we're starting to build that line. Uh, Warbird, uh, I might sound like a bit of a name to uh, you guys that you don't uh, connect with. That's actually Miss Marvel, uh, who is now the current Captain Marvel, the female version. will be getting a movie soon, uh, but she did at a point go by the name uh, Warbird, uh, which is where... Uh, that uh, weird naming device comes from. Now, the Sentry I said I'd come back to, he had two head sculpts. So there was a clean-shaven with the uh, sort of flat-top cut to his hair, and there was a long-haired version with a beard. Now, normally, Sentry is known for having uh, long hair, clean-shaven. That's from the majority of his run with Bendis. Originally, he had the clean-shaven cut hair uh, look, and the long-haired beard look was right from the very beginning uh, of his appearance in New Avengers. But... Uh, that would have been right around the time that they were doing this as a figure. He was a, still a fairly new character. Hit around the 2000s. He was a weird publicity stunt Marvel did where they pretended like they found a, uh old Stan Lee creation uh, that Marvel had put in a drawer and never used and they were bringing it back around for the first time and uh, they were doing a story about why he was around in old Marvel but forgotten. He ended up being a little bit of a mess writer-wise as a character, but uh, they were sort of gaining on his recent news attention uh, popularity through there. So that was an interesting one. The Giant Man Builder figure is great if you ever got to complete it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> definitely an uh, interesting run there, which does kind of bring me to the end of our Toy Biz uh, chatter and talk. Uh, Now, there's probably a whole bunch of trivia that I've missed and uh, potentially even figures that I've missed or skipped over here. But uh, if you have any thoughts, what were the Marvel Legends figures you liked? Did you have any interesting stories and what you needed to do to go about acquiring any of these? We'd uh, love to hear it. Definitely uh, drop on by either on our message boards or one of our uh, social media pages or even sent into the show here and uh, let us know what you think because this definitely was an interesting era <laughs> for action figures. It was great for us who are Marvel fans of the larger Marvel universe uh, seeing some attention given to characters like Loki that uh, seems weird now or Deadpool uh that we were so excited to see them getting attention and now you're like, oh, another Loki, another Deadpool, ah, that thing, and where's the X-Men? Where's the X-Men? Where's back there? We're like, oh, more X-Men. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> it's things have uh, really come around. So thank you for being here. Thank you for letting uh, me indulge you in this trip down memory lane and I'll uh, pass you on. So see you guys and good journey. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, the Pop Culture Superstore, Bam Kapow, and Davy Boy's Toys. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 
hello, my friends, and thank you to all of you guys, too, who listen right to the end of the episodes for uh, the little uh, bloopers and uh, oddities that we put in. Uh, now, this week has been a bit crazy for me, and I have had a bit of a chest infection, so uh, I was coughing all the way through this episode, and I uh, needed to go through and edit all that out, and I realised I had missed a couple of things right as I was sort of getting to the end of my edit, and unfortunately, I don't have time to go back and edit them in. Uh, so I thought what I'd do is just record a little piece here at the end uh, to catch up on those things that I missed. And as a little treat for you guys who do uh, listen to the whole episode and uh, embrace us fully. So a nice little uh, secret treat for you guys. But I did mention uh, I was going to come back to the maestro, which I didn't. The, the maestro was a figure in the apocalypse wave. And he is a future version of the Hulk from Peter David's run, where the Hulk basically becomes a supervillain and takes over the Marvel Universe. He's been used a little bit currently uh, in the all-new, all-different Marvel, but uh, it was a bit of a funny one because they didn't actually list him as being a Hulk. He was just listed as Maestro. Uh, so a lot of people didn't even realise who the character was. And to make it more confusing... They actually included him with uh, one of the Ice Troll crowns from a story arc uh, where he <laughs> used it, uh, but it's not his kind of prominent uh, design piece or uh, feature on him. So there are even some people, I think, who might have known who he was who were a little thrown off thinking that he was a type of Thor villain uh, or that because of the way they had him looked in this series. So uh, he was a bit of an odd one that people were talking about how they didn't know who the character was when, in actual fact, it was just the Hulk. Uh, the other piece that I sort of uh, skipped over a little bit was the Face-Off series, which came at the end of the Toy Biz run. I did mention it, but didn't really go into it, and I felt like I should have because it is uh, a really popular piece. Uh, so it was two packs. Uh, you had Captain America versus Red Skull. Uh, that they had a variant of that had Baron Strucker instead of Red Skull. Uh, you had Iron Man versus the Mandarin, Daredevil uh, versus Kingpin. Punisher vs. Jigsaw, Wolverine vs. Sabretooth, and Hulk vs. The Leader. And each of these two packs also had some cool variants. So uh, in some cases, like Captain America and Daredevil, it was unmasked. There were some colour changes, such as uh, Kingpin's uh, white and black outfits. Sometimes it was whole character changes, uh, such as Red Skull and Strucker, or uh, Iron Man, the change-up had uh, War Machine. Uh, in the pack, and there were some ways of getting different versions of villains too, such as uh, the leader had his sort of brain-shaped skull and then the more oblong uh, skull. The probably uh, most disappointing variant was the Wolverine Sabretooth one that just came with screaming heads, but coming out right at the end of the Toy Biz line, uh, these are some absolutely fantastic sculpts. The Captain America, for example, is an improved version of that ultimate Captain America that I talked about earlier on in the episode, and he's just really stunning. So uh, I do really like to point to those as some of the best that Marvel Legends have to offer. So even though they're outside of the main Marvel Legends line, uh, definitely worth checking out because they were kind of 
uh, the end result of all the good pieces that have been learned by Toy Biz up to that point. But uh, thank you, guys. Thank you for sticking with me here uh, right to the very end, and you have a good week. All right, guys. Good journey.